You are listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum or Baum. I hope you're uh, having a wonderful week, uh, whether you're listening days later or you're listening right now or watching. Hi, thank you for watching you right there. I appreciate it. I appreciate all the uh, the love and the subscribing to the podcast. If you're here for Sebastian Roche, then I hope you uh, will stick around for weeks to come and subscribe to the podcast. And you can subscribe to the podcast, Ryan. Uh, on Spotify, Stitcher Premium, uh, YouTube.com slash Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Baum. 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 Yeah. Uh, and then follow on Twitter uh, at Inside of You Pod. Uh, and then Instagram, Facebook at Inside of You Podcast. Podcast. That's correct. And uh, if you're digging the show, tell us about it. Write a review. Hello at Inside of You um, Podcast.com. <laughs> podcast.com hello at inside of you.com uh hello, hello at inside of you podcast.com i was right yeah yeah that's correct yeah. so you could uh, mm-hmm. write a review and write a review actually on you know on um apple that'd be nice yeah. write a review there and give us a five star <laughs> if you will uh but last week david harewood really let let it go he talked about mental health and how he went away to a, a mental hospital and god love him man thank you for uh, being so upfront honest um it was really a, a powerful episode. If you haven't heard of David Harewood from Supergirl's done a uh, Martian Manhunter. He's done a bunch of stuff, but he was the Martian Manhunter on Supergirl. And um, I urge you to listen to that. Also, uh, the Jason Patrick, Kiefer Sutherland episode, Charisma Carpenter. Mm-hmm. we got great ones coming up. Um, also, if you want any Inside E merchandise um, or Lex Luthor, uh, lunchboxes, T-shirts, hats, tons of stuff on Inside of You, uh, Inside of You inside of you online store mm-hmm. that is mm-hmm. and uh the 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 uh, the number the code today for 15 percent off Ooh. is what would give me something uh ryan's waxed 15 ryan's waxed 15 that's ryan's no apostrophe wax w-a-x ed ryan's waxed 15 because last week was ryan's waxed 15 ryan's waxed 15 was last week ryan's waxed 15 this week yep we're getting creative folks uh thank you for coming to my um stage it and supporting the band sunspin every last saturday of the month we play two shows 2 p.m 6 p.m pacific standard time we have prizes zooms all that we really appreciate it, it was a great turnout so thank you it was our one-year anniversary of playing shows we'll have one at the end of next month on a saturday the last saturday of every month and if you want to book the band or you want to Zoom with the band or you want merch uh, from Sunspin, just go to sunspin.com and you can get everything there. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. And, and we book Zooms with people throughout the week and uh, it's pretty fun. Today's guest is, is someone that, well, I know I've met him at conventions. Very personable guy, funny, uh, talented, and uh, boy. This story blew Ryan away. Ryan thought this was like the best episode in a long time. And this guy, talk about, I can barely have fucking dinner with my family for an hour. Imagine living on a boat. Living on a boat. With your mother and your family for not a week or a month, but a long time. It gets pretty, pretty dicey. Um, it's a great story, Sebastian Roche. Let's get inside of Sebastian Roche. It's my point of view. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. 
Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. Thank you for allowing me to be inside of you today. Sebastian uh, Roche, we met in uh, England in somewhere? Wales. Wales. In Wales, in Wales, near Wrexham. Yeah. Wrexham? It was a pleasure, actually, to meet you, because I'd heard about you so for so many years, you know, through other people who knew you. I can't remember who, but, you know, they always spoke, <laughs> no, 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 but they always spoke, you know, wonderfully about you and... And I have to admit, I, I was pleasantly, I was, you know, uh, really happy to meet you because you're, you're not only super funny, you know, I, but also, you know, one quality I thought with you is you're incredibly caring. I always remember when um, Pants, Joey Pants was out of the bus. Do you remember when oh, Joey? Oh, yeah. You were like, you were like, we got to do something. Wait, where's so I we're at, we'll, we'll set it up for the listeners so it's not just an inside. Yeah, sorry, sorry. But no, yeah, no, yeah. but we're on a bus and we're doing a convention and we all have to get on a bus to so they could take us to yeah. do a signing and meet and greet. And so uh, so there, I set it up. So go ahead. What What is yeah, uh, yeah. Joey Pants from, you know, guys from Goonies, from everything, Matrix? What was he doing? Joey Pants was, Joey Pants was like on the bus. And then he thought he was taking too long to get there because it was a huge, uh, it was quite a bit of, Traffic jam, you know, right. because a lot That's of people right. go to. Yeah, do you remember? We were on the bus. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Having, and then Joey Pants was like, "You know what? I got, I gotta get off. I gotta get off." Yeah, walk. he's like, "What the fuck? What are we doing here? I'm getting the fuck off this bus. I can walk faster than this big fucking piece of shit." And he gets off the bus and he's going, and I'm videotaping. I have this video of him walking yes. and walking and walking, and, and walking. I put and I put funny music over it. It's just Joey Pants walking, and he didn't know actually where he was going. I think, but he kind of he was like, "There's this big thing I'm gonna go to," but it was just he never does this in a. He's such a nice man. He really Didn't is. You love him instantly. Loved him. Loved him. He has this extraordinary personality, total New York, but you can't not love him. You know. Yeah, he's sweet. He's like, yeah, yeah, we're doing this. I mean, my daughter. We went through Ireland, and uh, yeah. it was. I don't know. I'm more doing. A, I'm doing a Joe Pesci. I'm not even yeah, doing it. Yeah, yeah, but he's such a young. And then I saw his age. He's nearly nearly seventy, right? And I was uh, like, incredible. Holy shit, I want to have. That much energy. Can we swear on your... Oh, I have been, and I usually don't swear a ton, but some people, my listeners, the patrons are probably going, oh, Rosenbaum's been swearing today. He's on fire. <laughs> yeah, you could swear. You could swear. Yeah, your your podcast is great. And, you know, I noticed how much you... You always care about people, and I think that's a... It's a quality that I always, you know, admire in people. You know, so that's one of the things I really... I, I was really... Touched to see someone who, you, because everywhere we went, you were really caring about people. And it's something I noticed about you, you know, oh, instantly. Well, that's, that's yeah, why yeah. I just, that hasn't always been. I just started caring about people. But about the time I saw you, I was. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you were the total asshole. Yeah. Well, happened. you know, I, I think you could, you could tell me your story, but I don't look, we're obviously not perfect and we make mistakes. And, and through life, we, we try to strive to buy, get to a certain age where we're like, okay, I love myself. I'm happy with myself. I yeah. really, I was, I'm better as a person. I've grown. And there's certainly times in your life where you, you, I'm sure you've been an asshole. I've been an asshole. We've been assholes. And, oh my God. And we look back and we're like, you know, immaturity, not, you had no self-awareness. Was there a time in your life where you feel like you had a little bit of that? Oh my God. I think when I was younger, you know, uh, I, I don't know if I told you, but I lived you know, on a boat for six years from the age of 12 to 18. Unbelievable. And with your mom and your brother, was it? With my mom and dad, my brothers, you know, we were 
pretty much went halfway around the world because we didn't go into the Pacific, but we were on a sailing boat, you know. How big is this boat? Paint the picture. How big is this? So the boat is 44 feet, which is, you know, for people who know the metric system is like 13 meters, 50. It's not that big. Um, And we're not talking about, you know, we didn't go on a weekend sailor. All right. Yeah. Vacation. This is hardcore sailing on a boat that is, you know, has all the basics. It doesn't have much electronics. You know, we didn't even have hot water. We, you know, it was hand pumps to get water, uh, foot pumps actually. So we're we're on a, a boat that was designed for the Caribbean, and we started, of course, in the middle of winter. <laughs> you know, my dad was like, "Oh, I hadn't, I hadn't." So we, yeah, we sailed on this boat, and it was, you know very exciting but very very difficult at the same time because we were you know within i think less than a year we were totally uh we were totally broke but you know what it was actually one of the great things of being on the boat we learned so much uh about life you know i was living a very sort of middle upper middle class my dad was a kind of a ceo we were living in the outskirts of paris because i am half french half british and then we, my dad was like, I never see my kids. So we're going to go. We'd sailed a lot as, as children. And my dad was a big sailor. <clears throat> and he was like, that's it. Selling the house, quitting my job, and we're off. So that's basically the premise. And, you know, wow. we sailed, you know, the whole, this was 1977. And how long, yeah, 1977, the dead yeah. of winter you're starting, your dad has what sounds like a midlife crisis or he just yeah. really wants to find himself and have his yeah. family understand the real world. And you go yeah. on a, not a cruise, a sailboat, 44 foot sailboat for how long? And, and and how long are you guys on at any given time? The longest stretch where you're on the sailboat without land. The longest stretch was we sailed from Madeira, which is north of the uh, Canary Islands, which is off the coast of West Africa. And we sailed from Madeira to across the Atlantic for 21 days to Barbados. So that was three weeks at sea without seeing. Yeah, and, and you don't get sick. Does anybody get sick in the beginning and then get over it? Is there drama mean in yeah, 77? Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting how the body works at first you are, you know, we, we were in, I remember everyone got sick when we hit, we were in Southern Ireland and we went from Southern Ireland, you know, South and we hit a really big storm really big storm, scary storm. And, uh, you know, where you're like at the helm and you hear at night and you hear the huge winds <laughs> coming down and you're like, oh, I'm terrified. But the, the boat was a very safe boat. But And uh, yeah, we were sick for 48 hours, completely sick, and then switched, switched off. And I was never, ever again sick on a sailing boat. Very wow. interesting how the... The, the body mechanics, you know, get used to to, to uh, the rolling of the boats, you know, the, the, yeah. the movement. So you're well, saying that I get altitude sickness pretty quickly. So if I stayed in somewhere where the uh, elevation was high for a substantial period of time, my body would acclimate? Yeah, it would acclimate if you stay. What you have to do is, you know, because I did quite a lot of mountain climbing, um, you have to go up to a certain, yeah, I mean, you can... You know, I used to do, when I went to the Sierras, I, I would do a quick summit. So I wouldn't get, I would get altitude sickness, but then would go up, summit, come down. But if you want to do a big summit, yeah, you have to go to a base camp at, let's say, I'd say 10,000 feet. 
or little above 10,000 feet. 11,000 is when you start really uh, feeling the effects, depending on on the person, actually. And yeah, you, I would say acclimatize one or two days. If it's a much bigger mountain, a week for two weeks, you know, when we're, we're talking about Himalaya scale, which I've never done, uh, which I would love to do, but I'm too old now. <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think I'm too old. I've done, you know, big big ones in South America, but um, yeah, so you need a few days, even a, a day or two if you're doing, uh, you know, s- some mountains in the Sierras, which are, you know, 14,000 plus in the Sierra Nevadas, like, of course, Whitney, Middle Palisade, the Palisades. There's many, there's 20 peaks above 14,000. And yeah, you. it's nice to get your first camp. Right. Sebastian, Sebastian. I get nauseous and lightheaded when I go to Big Bear. Do you know Big Bear? It's a two-hour drive from L.A. And I'm like, (laughs) I don't feel right. I don't feel right. Something's off. I'm like, can I possibly have altitude sickness? I mean, we're we're, we're practically just north of L.A. I mean, the elevation's like. That's normal. But you would acclimatize because, you know, even if you go at the the base of uh, Baldy, you know, which at Baldy's 10,000 feet, uh, you know, and Mount Baldy's a common trek if you go to the base it's 6500 and you do start feeling you know of course if you you know you're it seems like you're more susceptible to altitude sickness but if you stay there a day you'd be fine i think you'd feel nauseous at first you, you might have diarrhea headaches yeah, you know, it's not oh, really pleasant well the diarrhea but, i welcome i welcome that that's not a problem for me <laughs> let me ask you what do you do by the way on a boat for 21 days what do you do with your bro- well, you have a sister? And your mom and dad? Yeah. No sisters, two brothers. Two brothers. Two boys, mom and dad. What do you do for 21 days on a sailboat together? I mean, wait, you can only fish so much. I mean, do you, yeah. there's a bathroom in the, in, underneath, so you went to the bathroom there. Yeah, yeah, so you have a, what they call the head. The head? It's called the head. And, yeah, and it's a pump pump action. You know, so pump you pump your duty stuff. right into the ocean, right? Oh, yeah, you do, yeah. In those days, you did, because now people have holding tanks. Right. That you empty, which is not very pleasant. Uh, especially when the holding tank starts leaking. <laughs> you want to have a good holding tank. Yeah. But, um, you know, you really, it's funny. There's so, so much to do uh, on the boats where you wake up. Most of the time, actually, we'd get flying fish on the deck. So we'd collect the flying fish, you know, have them for breakfast. Um, then, you know, I would, I really personally would love to be on the bowsprit, which is the front of the boat. Uh and sit there, you know, with the sails and just look at the ocean because anything becomes interesting when you're in the middle of the ocean. So suddenly you'll see, uh, you know, uh, seaweed or you'll see uh, uh, a jellyfish. Everything becomes a, a, a moment of excitement. And, you know, I would draw whatever I saw because I was really into drawing. You you read a lot and you fish. You know, we'd, we'd get... Uh, you know what they call doradas there, uh, which is mahi mahi. Right. Uh, we'd get nearly one a day. We couldn't wow. actually. We did one once. We had too many. We throw the. the fish so you back had a lot, a lot of mercury in your bodies for this. this <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, there was a bit less. Than, <laughs> <laughs> you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you, a lot of mercury. You're right. Probably. Did, did uh, you see sharks? Which, might, which I had. Yes. Yeah, I saw a lot of sharks. I mean, I was once we got to the Caribbean. I was terrified of everything as a kid. And then the boat kind of changed everything for me. 
it's it's it was really the most formative experience for me because I was not very good at school, super insecure, yeah. shy guy, not really good. I was really good at sports, but 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 um, quite fearful. And uh, you know, I I discovered my you know quote unquote myself on the boat. You know, I, I developed a passion for spear fishing, so I would go and wow. shell collecting. So I would go every morning. Uh, you know, and I would go get whatever fish they wanted or lobster. And I became really good at it. I started, you know, free diving when I was, I think, 13, 14. And I could go, I could go to 90 feet, you know. Uh, when, once I got really good at it, I could stay quite a long time underwater. And I saw, of course, when you go spearfishing, you will see sharks, you know. But in those days in the Caribbean, I don't know what it's like now because it's... Sharks just weren't interested back in the day. They were. They were were well fed. Sharks were like, like, oh, it's a different time now. Then they learned how stupid humans were and they were like, let's get get them. (laughs) How could you imagine? That's amazing. It was just, oh, yeah, sharks were so nice. Yeah, fascinating to see a shark when you're underwater. It's fascinating. I always remember there was a shark. My dad was facing me. And there's this lemon shark that comes behind my dad. And I'm like, because, mm, mm, you know, you got the tube, the tuba, uh, the snorkel. How big is a lemon shark real quick? You're thinking small. It can go from anything from, you know, from three to, I guess, eight feet. Oh, God. Okay. So you're, mm, yeah. Mm, dad. Yeah. So I'm like, mm, mm. but the lemon shark couldn't kill us. He was just swimming. You know, when you're spearfishing, <laughs> it's different. We were just, we were just swimming, <laughs> snorkeling at the time. When you're spearfishing, you spear the fish, then you put them on a floater and you on a in this sort of wire and you put them on the floater so they smell the the blood and they can get a little excited. So you have to show them that you have a gun, yeah, a spear gun and move them away sometimes. But uh, you know, and then when people would visit us on the boat from Paris, you know, I remember <laughs> taking one of my friends who was a who was such a scaredy cat, and we'd go to nurse sharks, which are basking sharks. They they sit on the on the bottom, right, and we prod them just to we get them above it. Uh, a nurse shark prod the nurse shark, and the nurse shark would just you know run away. But we try and scare our friends Jesus. doing these kind of stupid things. You know, it sounds you- to me like your parents turned you into a man by being on a sailboat. I bet that had a lot to do with how you grew up and becoming a man. Because I don't remember my dad teaching me anything. Like he didn't teach me how to change the oil in the car. He didn't teach me. You know, he just yeah. says, mow the lawn, you know, and I, he didn't even have a freaking get, get a grass catcher. So all that dog shit and rocks would fly in my face. <laughs> oh, so yes. I know those. Yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. he was always working. So he didn't have time to, you know, he wasn't a yeah. head of a CEO, you know, head of a company CEO and, and be able to buy a big sailboat and go out. But like, I think, you, did you not learn a lot which helped kind of create who, the man you are now? Yeah, but I mean, I learned that on the boat because before that, my I never saw my dad. Never saw my dad. Wow. You know, he was working for an American company because uh, 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 Young and Rubicon, you know, and uh, and uh, I never saw him. So that's why I think on the boat, I, by forces of circumstance, you know, being on the boat, you learn to, yeah, to sail. And sailing is is very arduous. It's not easy. It's It's tough. You know, you can be in really tough conditions and you have to learn very quickly how to steer a boat. Uh, the, you know, hoist the sails, uh, drop anchor, 
and you get into you know sticky situations when you're in high seas you know and 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 stormy seas you know, yeah yeah it, it's it's a tough environment but you learn very very fast and yeah thanks to my dad's decision i learned to to be much more self-reliant or just yes that's one thing i really learned i was super self-reliant super agile i could adapt to any situation suddenly Wow. Whereas I never felt that in my sort of quote unquote civilian life, you know, when I was going to school and I didn't really, I felt I fit in because I was, you know, I, I wanted to be an actor. So I guess I was the clown, the class clown, but <laughs> it was really the boat that, yeah, the, the trip on the boat and, and discovering new cultures that, that, that turned me, you're right, into the man I am today. Yeah, it well, was a very, very formative, important experience for me. Yes, especially. Yeah. I love that. Do you feel yeah. like you're like you, you? You hinted about it. You sort of said in in a way that you didn't really have a relationship with your father at first, and then he has this life change, this idea, and you go in the boat. Was it like? Did you sort of resent your father for a while? He's not around. He's not there. And then all of a sudden, you get on a boat, and it was a little tumultuous at first, and then it became this relationship. It sounds like a movie, but like, was it? You know, that's a really interesting question because it's funny because it's kind of the opposite. It's the opposite and the same. Before, when I never saw him, I did. I idolized the image of my father, you know, because he's never there. So you're you, and he. You always see this, you know. And in those days, growing up in France, you know, fathers were much more severe and earnest, and you know, he was the he was the the man of discipline, you know, and uh, not abusive at all. But you know, he was much more stern. I, I had a much sterner image of him. And then when we went on the boat, then you're confronted with being with your parents in a small space for 24-7. So I admired him and resented him at the same time right. because I saw there was nothing hidden anymore. You know, when my dad woke up in our house and put on his beautiful suits and everything, I was like, wow, look at my dad. And then you are confronted with the absolute reality of literally being in the next cabin as your dad on a boat that is 44 feet long. So there was a mixture of, you know, you're growing up as a teenager of resentment and admiration at the same time. That's because, crazy. Uh, and it's only later that I realized how extraordinarily brave it was for him to do what he did. And he kind of did it for us, for himself, of course, it was his dream, but it, he did it for us. And I also admire the, my mother's resilience, who was not really a sailor, not, but she was. She's a, ex, incredibly giving and 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 tough in the sense that she she can withstand anything. Not tough as a person. She's incredibly giving and and positive. So you see all these things combined, and I think I learned the most because my older brother, you know, would you know didn't get along with my dad, left the boat at 17 and went to do his military wait, 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 he left the boat. So how long was this whole trip on the boat and how long did your brother last before he said, I'm, I'm done? Well, he, the, 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 it lasted for nearly six years. So within two years, my older brother was like, I'm out of here. I can't, can't stand being with you. I'm, I'm gone. I'm nothing against him. He was just going through his, his stage. Yes. And he went and, you know, we were in Martinique. It was kind of our base, you know, cause my dad, uh, could find a job because we were broke, so he became a guide, tour guide. 
I was a windsurfing instructor, you know, I was like 13, 14 teaching windsurfing. My mom was repairing sails. And, you know, we'd get like 30 francs, which is what, six bucks. And we'd buy, go buy camembert and a baguette. And my mom, I remember, would make a cucumber salad and avocados because, you know, the food is plentiful there. Wow. So my brother left quite early and my younger brother, you know, couldn't deal with, with uh, homeschooling. So he was sent to boarding school. So for around nearly three years, I w- it was me and my parents on the boat. Wow. I think I'm the one who adapted the best. I, yeah, I don't know why. Wait a minute. So your dad, when he decided to do this, he was the head of a CEO. He was making great money and he left all that. He was making good money. I don't think he was making great money. I mean, you know, we were very comfortable. Yeah, yeah. We had a beautiful house. But, you know, it was at the time it was France. It was not. Yeah, I mean, it was good money, but it was, you know, yeah. But then you went to broke. Well, yeah, because then basically he put everything in the boat and he kind of miscalculated. So he spent a lot of money on the boat. And then, uh, yeah, we kind of went broke. You know, living on a boat, buying a boat from scratch is very expensive. And uh, so, yeah, we went broke very quickly. But it was actually the best thing that happened to us. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know how many times I have to talk about this, but it's so important. If you're sitting there right now and you're stressed or you're anxious or you have a lot on your mind and you just bottle it up and you don't know what to do, it's going to come out and it's not going to come out in great ways all the time. Um, BetterHelp has helped me substantially. Ryan here has been using it for a while. And I, you know, don't you notice when you don't use BetterHelp? When you don't have therapy. Oh, the weeks where I miss a session? Of course, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's like the more you talk about something, even if you don't think you have anything to talk about, things come up and it puts your mind at ease. And we all carry around different stressors, you know, big and small. And at times we keep carrying them around rather than processing them and letting them go. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy from BetterHelp is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for all of us. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. I think people think, oh, what if I don't like my therapist? If you don't, you switch them. It's that easy. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com inside today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash inside inside of you is brought to you by rocket money i love rocket money you know why because everyone should have rocket money because it just helps you save money how many times do we have subscriptions that we don't even know we have anymore and we're paying so much money it's just throwing away money ryan i i found one you and you did it you told I me i got rocket money okay <laughs> I, I found one it i'm embarrassed to say how long it's been going on but thank you for finding it <laughs> my god it was embarrassing <laughs> yeah because it's like you want to watch some show and you go oh, i have to subscribe to this uh this streaming de- uh, whatever mm-hmm. and you you start streaming the show you watch it you leave and you forget 
after this trial period, it kicks in and they're it's charging terrible. you 10 bucks a month. It's, it is embarrassing. Ugh. You know, 75% of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about. Before I started using Rocket Money, I thought I had, you know, like, oh, I have like five subscriptions. I could not believe it when they showed me I was paying for like four extra uh, between, you know, streaming advices and fitness apps, delivery services. It's never ending. And thanks to Rocket Money, I'm no longer wasting money on the ones I forgot about. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lowering your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with the customer service for you. I like that. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash inside. That's rocketmoney.com slash inside. Rocketmoney.com slash inside. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. You know, I, again, sometimes I have guests on where I'm like, I'm so envious. I, I think if I would have learned these skills as a child and, you know, hands on and just you know, nature and life, and then I would be more, uh, what's the word adept, uh, more, uh, yeah, I, I guess so. But you are, you're extremely on the other hand, you know, there are things that I find brilliant about you. You're, you're, you're much more adept at, at you know, you, you have a, you're very quick, you're very, you're very smart. I'm not saying I'm not smart, but what I'm saying oh, you're is smart. No, what I'm saying is, <laughs> I, no, you are smart. You, you but you're are smart, smart and you're really funny. You know, you, you're super quick. And I, I really, I, I appreciate that very much. That's something. And I, and I'm, a, I love having a good laugh and I love uh, uh, a great sense of humor. You know, the one thing I, I became very adept and adaptable, and but I, I there was a lot that I lost uh, being among my peers. So when I at eighteen, I did my final year. I went back to France. I did it in France because you know it was easier. It was really hard for me to adapt to city life, to also being amongst people and and the the, the pressures of you know cliques and clicks or whatever you yeah so i basically was always first degree you know for me it, i didn't understand irony and sarcasm and i went back to paris of all places you can imagine um so that was i had to readjust that i was very good at you know taking care of myself but city life was kind of foreign to me so you know there are advantages but you know at the same time you know when you live a social life within within your school, within your, your city, you learn other great skills, you know, that I still, I guess, don't have, I think. <laughs> I, I think it's, a, I, I bet it's a turn on, not only to me, but to like, when you meet women and you're like, you know, tell me about yourself. It's like, well, I was on a sailboat for six years. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh my god! You're beautiful. You, that it sounds was later so on when I had, you know, reconciled the two. Be you know, uh, but I was incredibly innocent at eighteen. I was like literally like, I felt I was like, you know, something out of Jean-Jacques Rousseau's Emile. You know, uh, it's this novel about this kid who's only lived in nature and is completely innocent. Right. I really felt like that. I was so innocent, and I think it attracted certain certain type of woman. But uh, yeah, it was it was very interesting. To, to, it was difficult when I went to drama school, where there is a lot of in not fighting, but a lot of how shall I put it? Uh, Just competition. So much competition and very insidious competition. Um, so that was very difficult for me. Uh, going to these schools because I went uh, to two, three different, actually. The first one was, you know, to get into the big schools. Yeah. And, you know, in those days, you know, to answer your question from quite a bit ago, <laughs> yes, I had difficulty in controlling my emotions. I was very much, as I say, first degree. I was a bit, you know, all over the place excitable, had a very quick temper, you know, typically that the French blood in me <laughs> took over the, the sort of a phlegmatic British. That probably okay. helps with acting though, being able to be like, would you shut the fuck up? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, do like a, hey! Do a Al Pacino, you know, when he's like, well, I've got a terror. Exactly, like he has no you know, teeth. Exactly. He goes, hey, you want to die? You're going to die big time. <laughs> That's pretty good. Well, that was my first gig, you know. First gig in the States when I moved to New was York. Was what? Was doing a play with Al. What play did you do like, with him? I, I didn't did do my research. Salome by Oscar Wilde. I ah. played John the Baptist, Yokanan, and he was Herod. And for me, for a kid from France, you know, who idolized De Niro, Pacino, who were, you know, seen as gods, all of us. To do that in, I, was, I mean, that was not my first gig. It was my first theater gig uh, in New York. That was extraordinary. I was, I learned so much from him. Now, oh yeah, and, and did he ever say anything to you? Like, hey, nice job. It was great. Try that yeah, yeah. He was really, he was lovely. He was really, a really nice man. Wow. Very, so, you know, I've never, I've rarely seen someone so imbued with the passion of theater and acting. He literally lives it, breathes it. And this is 77. This is like the height of his, like, what? Not the height, but no, like. No, no, no. This was in 93, 93. Uh, oh, 90, sorry. Yeah, I was thinking. Because I was quoting Carlito's Way. That's why I brought it, I brought uh, yeah, Alan. Because right. You Want to Die Big Time was Carlito's Way. Car That's when Carlito's Way came Carlito's out. Carlito's Way is one of my favorite Pacino movies. I have a tattoo that says Blanco. And it, it's my. Oh, my God. Well, my grandmother, my grandmother lives in Florida. Her name is Blanche. And she's from the Bronx. But do you remember oh. when he goes, hey, Carlito, remember me, Benny Blanco from the Bronx? Benny Blanco, of course. So I always would say, hey, Benny Blanco from the Bronx, where's my bagel and cream cheese? Yeah. And so there was a whole thing like that. But Carlito's Way was one of my favorite Pacino movies. Amazing performance by him and Vigo Mortensen. And, oh, yeah. And Sean Penn. Do you remember Sean yeah. Penn? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The lawyer and, uh, or something. Leguizamo was Benny Blanco, right? He was Benny Blanco. Yeah. Hey, Carlito, remember me, Benny Blanco from the Bronx? Yeah. Yeah. He's the one <laughs> who kills him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great movie. Beautiful. Typical Brian De Palma, but beautiful. 
Yeah. Beautiful movie. But working with Pacino, man. I worked oh. with, yeah. But to work with Pacino would be just like a dream. Any of those. I don't know if I could do it. I'd be like, I mean, I would do it. But like, I think the first couple of days would be like, huh, I'm talking to Pacino. What's my line? Oh, yeah, yeah. What's my line? That's Pacino. How it was. I was like, because, you know, Yokonan is, is in a prison and he's screaming at Pacino. You know, you're a heathen. You're, uh, you know, he's like in this crazy state of, you know, being John the Baptist. And he's a, and he's a sinner, you know, Herod is a sinner. I would just watch Al because he, I've never seen someone more loose on stage. You know, he, he would do anything. He would try anything. I would see him like literally do roll on the floor while doing his lines. He'd done it before, of course. He, you know, he did many incarnations of, of Salome, but it was just fascinating to see him. His work with the prose, with the, with the word is extraordinary. You know, his relationship to, to objects taught me so much. He would say, this, because he would do it like, he said, I'm going to do it like uh, upper, upper west side Jewish lady. This pen that I have here. He would do these <laughs> modulations, and it would be so amazing to watch. He had these huge monologues where they were fascinating because you never got bored because he, he would literally have this, he would be this, this ruby, this ruby. And then he would, and he, I don't know if you remember, he had this crazy, yeah, he, he yeah. was like a, an over made up woman from, from the Upper West Side. And, wow, uh, that's incredible. Did you ever see him, though? Did you ever see him like, well, I won't say the word fail, but like while he's on, on, well, on set or on stage and he's working things out and this doesn't work and he's frustrated. Did you see those things? Yeah, Looking for Richard, you mean the, the documentary? Or, or I saw him. I, I mean, in real life, like did you? Oh, he. In a way, you know, it's it's really interesting. He reminds me of that saying by Mandela, you know, uh, I never lose, either I win or I learn, uh, which I love, which is one of my favorite sayings by uh, Nelson Mandela, because you never see him get mad. He's always in relaxation. That's every time I see Al Pacino, you know, maybe younger, he was more tense, you know, but it's this inner tension. You know, when you see him in Dog Day Afternoon, it's, it's like watching a ballet. It's this incredible relaxation that enables him to access something that where he never fails. So he'll try. He'll be like, I remember him being on his all fours with hands up in the air, like, I have a ruby. And, you know, he would just try shit. And that's the key. Just keep trying, keep working and things out. And his approach to the word. I remember auditioning for then to, to do a uh, uh, Mercutio. Uh, and I and I suddenly was like, you know, she is the fairy's middle. And I started kind of doing Al with an English accent. She is, and I suddenly approached the text like he did, and I felt, I, I just felt like it it it, it freed you. Me, I felt, I, I felt, yeah, I felt in such a great space because I realized, oh my god, he, yeah, he is, he has this relationship to the word, and I got it instantly, and and. And it was thanks to him. It was really all, all, I became a much better actor instantly after performing, after doing that play. It was, it was fabulous. Oh, and then I love he, that. you know, he was wonderful. He came, I, then I did a play with Julie Taymor and, and he came and he was like, Sebastian, that was great. You know, but he, he they were going to do something. And then I got, I got him to meet Julie. And then we did a reading 
of Titus Andronicus, where <laughs> <laughs> it was Julie directing, Al as Titus, I was playing Demetrius, and then he he brought in Kevin Spacey as Saturninus, uh, you know, and it was one of the greatest readings I've ever, it was just extraordinary. How many people know, were in the room? I think it was just, just the cast and Al, and uh, Al always had his bodyguard with him, uh, what was his name? Tony or something, this big guy who was really cool, such a nice guy who looked like uh, he could have worked, uh, you know, in a in a in a real insurance office. He was bald <laughs> with a mustache, kind of heavy set, but it was amazing walking down the street when we walked from the rehearsal space to another space. He we'd walk down the street and it was like walking with the with QE two. You know, it was like walking with royalty. It was wow. extraordinary. Hey, how do you deal with rejection? Because obviously every, everybody, especially in our industry, that, that's what you do. We were rejected 99 times yeah. out of 100. So have you always, have you had a problem with it? Is there times where it really affects you for a long time after you're? Yeah, I think like a lot of us, I think when, you know, rejection is an extraordinary thing, actually. We deal, I think I always keep, I always say that actors are, kind of superhumans because they deal with rejection on such an extraordinary level. They, they, they basically are always unemployed and always looking for a new job, always deal with a the rejection. Then they get a job, of course. Uh, therefore are superhumans in this pandemic. I think we adapted much better, but for me personally, yeah, rejection is very, very difficult. Uh, and you think as you get older, it's going to get better. And it's not. When you care about um, a project is when the rejection is the worst. And, and the closer you get to the project, it gets very difficult. Yeah, I remember auditioning for The Hobbit. And I auditioned when Guillermo del Toro was, was the director, auditioned in London. They loved me. Then they brought me back. And then it switched. And then I, you know, I thought I was really close. And then I met with, uh, you know, Peter Jackson, Philippa Boyens, Fran Walsh. And of course, the day I was at Shutters, you know, super nervous, wanting to audition for that role. And I thought I was, you know, I, I could taste it. You know what it's like when you can taste it. Yeah. And you're like, I'm going to be filming for two years in New Zealand with Peter Jackson, you know, on the heels of Lord of the Rings. And, and I go up to the room and I don't see Peter Jackson because he's sick in, in a bedroom. So I'm auditioning just for Fran Boynes and Philip, no, Philippa Boynes and Fran Walsh. And it's not the same because, of course, you want to have the energy, the, uh, the, 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 that there's almost that, that fear and that excitement that blend yes. into a perfect, like, you know, yeah, whatever it is, and I explosion. Was so hoping I was, I hadn't pictured, you know, you know, him working with me and nothing against uh, Philippa Boynes and Fran Walsh. They're both brilliant, but. It was just not the same. And I know I did a good job because I, I, and, uh, and, you know, it didn't work out because physically I saw the guy that they, they cast and it was totally, and it's, he's, I know him and it was absolutely evidence that he should get the part, but. But it hurt. Man. And I learned, I heard about it through a friend of my actor friend who said, oh my God, he just got the greatest gig. He got this role in The Hobbit. And I was like, that's the role I was up for. And I literally, we were having dinner and I just couldn't have dinner anymore. And I was like, you know what, guys, I, 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 I think I was, yeah, I went to bed 
and it took me like a few days. Yeah. Well, it's hard. Rejection's hard. Yeah, it is. It is hard. But uh, what about you? What about you? I'm weird. I am able to as insecure and as I could tell you my flaws all day. If you listen to five episodes on this podcast, you'd be like, holy <laughs> shit, you're fucked, bud. But that's what's great. But yeah, it is Sorry, great I'm at the eating. same time. I, I apologize for eating. No, you could eat. But you know, uh, for me, when I leave an audition, I, I rip up the sides, the, the pages, and I throw them away immediately. And I'm done. I do that too. I'm done. And I don't ask any more questions. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I don't. And then all of a sudden, sometimes you'll hear my agent will go, Hey, I want to let you know that you're in the uh, the running for this role that you auditioned for three weeks, and I gotta go. Don't tell me that. Just tell yeah, me when I get it. Exactly. So I don't want to know. So I, I I let it go. I do let it go. But I also I think I'm my worst enemy, and I also think that I could be incredibly lazy. I don't like to unless it's something I really love. I I don't put the work in like I should, and yeah. I, that's just sort of in my head. I just like yeah, you know, I'll give them what I you know. I'm not gonna give them everything because I think if I give them everything. That takes yeah. away a piece of me. Mm. And that's really, it's a bizarre way. And it's like, well, how, well, good luck being an actor. But at the same time, I'm like, you know, I'm going to do a good job. And if you see that I'm the part and I, you know, yeah. there's every once in a while, I'll go above and beyond. Like, yeah. oh, don't really? You think, don't you think 99% of the time you walk in the room and they're like, this is the guy 100%. even before you open your mouth? That, then that's why I stopped doing that. I, I think I, I walk in and I, you know, if they're like, oh, then they'll, you know, they'll work with me and then we'll figure it out. But yeah. uh, I, oftentimes I, when I don't care, when I'm like, always, it's not true because I got this part. I worked, I worked on it. Yeah. But you know what? You know, when a part instantly suits you and you basically yeah. have to do hardly any work. Yeah. Right? Those are rare, but they're and, nice. And then you, you walk in and you know, I remember walking and there was this whole room of actors who were really, you know, established and it's tough sometimes. You see all these near stars, and but I, you know, sometimes when you, when you own it, you own it. Yeah, there are days when you own it. Yeah, that's true. Also, and we don't have to talk about it. You can tell me to fuck off, but I, I know you look. We talked about it briefly while we were in Wales. Yeah, but I know, like you, you, you got divorced. Obviously, now you found. Yeah, yeah. Now you found the one, and you guys are doing great. But I remember yeah. you saying because I was shocked. I was like Vera from Farmiga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I, yeah. I remember going, "What? You were married to Vera Farmiga? <laughs> She's one of my." Oh my! And, you're, and I'm like, he doesn't want to hear this. What? What? what are you no, doing? no, it's fine. Actually, you know, tremendous actress. You know, we we met at the you know at her beginnings, and you know when I was doing this this <laughs> extraordinary series called Roar, Roar, R-O-A-R. not really great series to promote Roar for Fox. Uh, you know, in which the cast of Roar: Heath Ledger, Carrie Russell, Vera, myself, wow, and some other people. So, no, no, it's fun. I can talk about it. You know, I, I I've now found someone who's extraordinary. Uh, my wife now but you know we we were young you know these things happen and uh, yeah you know and uh and you move on i mean it's gotta be the worst though i always think you know the reason i'm not married a lot of people go why aren't you married you're 48 dude i'm like well have you met my family (laughs) i'm like you know i love my family but i look around me and if there's dysfunction and then there's divorce and there's a i'm like i'm not doing that unless i know it's right so uh, you know, it sounds like you, you know, obviously you came from a good family and you had this bonding experience for years and years. 
And when you were getting married, it felt like, I mean, I read that you, you, uh, you guys, uh, eloped and went, to yeah. And just to the, it, to the Bahamas. And then we actually, yeah. And honeymoon in Cuba, but you know, yeah, it was, it was, it was, a, it was difficult. You know, I had my issues, you know, she had her issues. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, you know, competition enters, uh, uh, the marriage a bit always, um, it's difficult. It's, it was a very divorce is probably one of the most difficult experiences I, I, I went through. Yeah. In my life. Absolutely. See, extremely difficult. See, that's why I don't know if I'm, yeah. I want to do that because. Well, the, the, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I understand. But I think, you know, as you get older, you actually gain more experience and you know, you suddenly, you know, you don't always know when you're younger, what's right for you. You know, and I think as you get older, you realize, uh, you know, you, you get rid of the things you don't want and you keep the things you want, you know, and that's what getting old is. You start caring less about the bullshit and you start caring more about what's important. Uh. And you'll, when you meet that person who is completely in tune with you is, you know, incredibly supportive, smart, funny, intelligent, yeah, you, there are people out do there. Do you have like to that. have all of those? <laughs> that seems like it's asking a lot. And beautiful. Smart, beautiful, <laughs> educated. I mean, you know, they're just like, you know, it's like I'm not all those things. So why why should I why should I? Well, no, okay. yeah, you are. You, of course you are. It's you know, my wife Ali, Alicia, uh, has taught me so much, literally more than anyone else in my life about relationships. She really is so extraordinarily, I mean, she has such an extraordinary sense of self and confidence. And I think that was given to her by her parents and her upbringing in Australia. And, and so she yeah, taught me so much about, you know, uh, listening is because that's something I was not very good at about compromise you know it's very difficult to be in a relationship it is you know however much you love you know we love each other like crazy we're literally joined at the hip and actually this pandemic has made us way closer awesome we're, we're crazy i'm crazy about her i really am it but in 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 the deepest possible way she's my she's my she's my girl you know your anchor. It makes me emotional. It makes me, it makes me really emotional because we're joined at the hip and nothing could break that. And you know, and and this pandemic has made it stronger. Yeah. And I learned so much from her. And you know, I, I she must have learned something from me, but I learned so much, and I made so many mistakes. Sure. <laughs> when I was that, younger, and that is what life is. You yeah, know. Yeah. Some people are like, I don't want to age. What age brings is that, doesn't it? It brings that wonderful level of experience where you feel more secure about yourself and you start caring less about what's bullshit. You it's, know? I, I keep thinking about that. I keep thinking that I'm, I'm slowly, I see that happening with me, that I'm starting to just be a little more. At times I see it like, okay, this is good. This is new you. I, uh, this is a... It's a nuance. Don't don't get cocky. It's yeah. just a little thing here. But you know, you're kind of a little bit more relaxed with this situation. You're not freaking out. You're not. And my uh, 
one of my therapists said something. He goes, you know, Michael, I and I love this little guy. He was like Dr. Yeah. Kessler, Tesler, Tesler. Yeah. I loved him so much I forgot his fucking name. But as he said, <laughs> he said, Michael, when I really believe if when you fall in love with someone and, and you allow them to love you, yeah. and it's going to be very tough when you could really, really allow. I think you're going to soar. I think you're going to really. And I go, I didn't understand that. And do you feel like when you have, what is it about love? What is it about, it may sound corny, but what is it about a connection joined at the hip, these sort of phrases, these sort of ideas that makes you a better person and makes you soar? Do you think that's true and that it does that? I think it's absolutely 1000% true. You know, I think, first of all, it's, it's, it's support and trust and, and family, you know, in the, in the great sense of family, you create your new family. You know, I'm spending more time with my wife than I ever spent with my family, you know, post leaving at 18. Uh, it really, yeah, being with Ali, I, it, you know, it took me a few years. I was still my own demonic self. You know, after my marriage, I went through a period of uh, a very self-destructive period of, you know, being single and being... Yeah, you know, sort of. Uh, uh, <laughs> you just didn't love yourself. Yeah, yeah, and I I went through a period of a, a, kind of a dark period, and 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 Ali, I met Ali before we were together. We knew each other for six years, but when I met her, I was like, "This girl is the one. That's the one." But you know, it, I wasn't ready. She was. She suddenly was like, "Stay away from me. You're a bad boy. Yeah. You're trouble." <laughs> And, you know, the first few years of our relationship, I really had to learn a lot. I had to learn to compromise a lot. Compromise is actually a beautiful thing. It really enables you to listen to, to listen to, to yourself in a way and to listen to, to your partner, which is one of the most important things there is. Uh, but I do believe that a partnership and yet, you know, then love becomes, love is always there. It just, it sort of transforms itself into something deeper. There's love, there's that, oh my God, consuming love and sex and everything, which is fantastic. And then it transforms into something so deep, so profound, you know, and it turns into this beautiful love, lover, friendship, partnership, that is unbreakable, you know, I'm, you know, knock on wood, but I really feel it makes you also, it makes you not question things, you know, you become, you become a, a husband and then you meet people, you know, because there are temptations and everything, but no, you just always, you will always be the husband. You'll be like, yeah, you're a very interesting, uh, attractive person, but you know what? I'm married to my wife and you know what? What she gives me is one million uh, percent better than anyone else that comes uh, 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 in front of my path. So I'm that. not even going to go there. And then I will be, I suddenly become a husband, like a dad, you know, and I do it and it becomes natural because this is who I've become and I'm proud of it. And I'm not one of, you know, I never understand people who are like, oh, well, you get married and then, well, <laughs> no, my God. What a profound experience. I love it. I mean, may I, you know, I'm sorry, I'm diverging. I'm no. not really 
responding. I, I, I'm learning. And it will this make is you learning. Soar. And Ali, with her support, has made me soar beyond my wildest expectations as a man. Because the most important is as a man, you know, as an actor, as a, as an artist. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love you know, Sebastian. I, I love that you were so open about that and that that resonates. Uh, this is called uh, Shit Talking with Sebastian Roche. This is <laughs> rapid fire from my patron family. If you want to join Patreon, okay, okay. patreon.com slash inside yeah. of you. Uh, so really quick, uh, Lisa H., I was introduced to you through Supernatural, but I've started watching older TV shows where you show up in your extensive career. Which role, no matter how small, was your favorite role to play? In, uh, I mean, uh, one of my favorite roles was this role I played on The Man in the High Castle, uh, uh, a mm. deeply, deeply flawed, conflicted person called uh, uh, Martin Hoisman. Uh, it was just an extra, it was really, uh, it was kind of a turning point in my career in terms of bringing everything down. And, you know, the challenge of speaking German when I lied about speaking German <laughs> and working on it to be perfect. And also the, the incredible complexity of the character. So, you know. Sprechen Sie etwas Deutsch, können Sie lesen und schreiben oder sind Sie einbauen, Jünger mit nur einem Fachnamen? Sprechen Sie Deutsch. Ich spreche ein bisschen Deutsch. Bisschen Deutsch. But not very good. Yeah, me too. Not very much. Danny. I know you do. I, I, well, I have a good ear. Yeah, yeah. So That's I remember great. I had an audition for a movie and I remember I memorized it, the German, and uh, for the audition. I remember and I started, I went in there and I went, um, I started, you know, doing it. And he goes, oh, no, no, no. I want you to hear you in English. I go, no, but it said in the, I just spent four days learning this shit, you fucking idiot. Oh, uh, no. Fuck. Yeah, Are you Rosen, Rosenbaum means. Uh, red tree. Red tree, Rosenbaum. yeah. Rosenbaum. Also, tree. I remember living in Frin, uh, near the Fri Friedensengel and Prince of Gettenstrasse and Trogestrasse in München. Uh, and, Richard, yeah. and it did my by the way i'm jewish so my grandparents didn't love me like doing this accent constantly course, in front of them they're like yeah. all right we get it you can do a german accent <laughs> they were fine danny i love <laughs> i love sebastian what was his favorite moment as balthazar on supernatural uh, my favorite moment as balthazar on supernatural was you know being with the guys uh, uh jared jensen nisha the whole crew, you know, they you loved you. In, you, Rob and Spate. I talked to him before, and they're like, "Oh my god, the guy's great." And they said a few things. So the guy, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Robin. I mean, you know, the, the most wonderful thing actually was coming into the family because then we became, we all became friends, and we we started doing fan events. And as you know, when you start doing fan events with uh, uh, cast members, it becomes like a big theatrical troupe. Yeah, and you get to know people in intimately, and it's. You go to these wonderful places. So, yeah, I mean, that was the greatest experience. You know, the role was super fun. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, this, is, to the family. this is from Steph. And then the other part, the second part of the question is from Jennifer N. So, Steph A and Jennifer N. Do you have any desire to return to General Hospital or is that behind you? And if you could work with anyone from General Hospital in a movie, who would it be and why? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I think General Hospital is behind me. You know, it, it, was, it was actually uh, one of the best decisions funnily enough, that I made in my career in 2007. You know, I turned it down. I was like, I'm a theater actor. I don't do soaps. <laughs> then I, I took it, and it completely changed my career. Acting-wise, too, because I experimented so much. I did, you know, a few hundred episodes. Uh, so it was a great memory, great character. They let me do anything I wanted. They couldn't have been nicer to, with me. Wow. A person, I love Nancy Lee Grant. Uh, on General Hospital, I'd love to do to work with her again. <laughs> well, She's awesome. a character. Michelle Kay. Is it M Mikhail or Michael? Michael. They spell well, it's it actually wrong. in 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 it. It would be Mikhail Mikhailson because he's 
he's uh, of Scandinavian origin. Well, she loved you, Michael, on Vampire Diaries and Originals. Speaking of which, any chance we might see you again on uh, see you on Legacies? I don't know. That's up to Julie Pleck. Loved playing that character. A very extreme character. I would have put it. I would put him up there in the, the complex characters that I played. <laughs> Richard T. All the projects you've been in over the years. Which one stands out for you the most? Uh, again, I think uh, you know, uh, Man in the High Castle. In the High Castle. In terms, in terms of you know, uh, in terms of pr- production. Uh, uh, it was like shooting a movie every episode. It was. The content, of course, is a bit difficult, but, uh, you know, quite quite extra- extraordinary. Well, this is, I came up with a new game here. This is called Roche. So each sentence starts out with a letter of your last name, then R-O-C-H-E. So for instance, <laughs> oh, these are my questions. Yeah. The raddest set piece or prop or something you kept from a set. Oh my God. Boy, which one? Raddest set piece. Do you know what? I... I don't know because I don't think I've ever taken a set piece. I've taken clothes. Well, what when piece of doing, clothing? When I was doing uh, Odyssey 5, I had these beautiful clothes that they gave me, you know, that I didn't steal them. You know, they gave me all these Prada oh, I stole things. clothes. I stole yeah, so things. I guess that's it. I stole things. Oh, what are you OCD about? The one thing you're OCD about? Super OCD about cleanliness and putting things away. Super <laughs> good, good. C. This is the the C in Rocher. Can yeah. you sing? I want you to sing, or at least the line, the first eighty song that comes to mind. This, uh, Anything that comes to mind. Don't you want me, baby? <laughs> Human League. Good call. <laughs> don't you want me? Oh, That's playing on my. I was working in a waitress in a cocktail bar when I met you. I wanted to be Phil. What was this? Phil Air? Yeah, Phil. It was the Human League. Lead singer was Human League. Yeah, what's his name? Phil remember. Phil Oki. I remember. Uh, I'm only human. I'm only. And then I loved the mid year of Ultravox. I don't know if you know. Oh yeah. This means nothing to me. Oh Vienna. Oh yeah, I love that song. I'm gonna Great write that song. down again. Ultravox. That's right. Vienna. But Vienna. I, I, okay. The and H. Of course, in... I wanted to be Bono because you know I was like. You could play Bono. Yeah. By the way, uh, H for Roche. Have you ever kissed someone on the set that had bad breath? And what did you do about it? Oh, yes, I did. <laughs> I basically couldn't, you know, I felt, you know, you can't do anything about it. Yeah, you can. You can go to the makeup artist and their, their makeup artist and just say, hey, can you offer her a mint or some toothpaste <laughs> or him, him some toothpaste or a mint? I, or you could just say to the person, did you just have a shit sandwich? Yeah, that won't work. Okay. E. No, I remember the first time it was a French TV series I did, and the girl was so beautiful and had the worst breath. Anyway. Yeah, well, that's, that's, that sucks. E for O'Shea, last one. Ever been naked in a scene where you're, you show your dong? Uh, I was naked on stage where I showed my dong. And uh, it was. Is that in- the Al Pacino? Did the Al Pacino see your dong? No, no, no. Oh, you didn't see okay. my dong in this. No, it was on, on in France. I was doing this play called L'Echange de Paul Claudel. And I made sure that the bath that I was coming out of was very warm. warm. And I was very happy about it. Yeah, look at this. <laughs> this is French, what? Uh, I am French after all. Uh, <laughs> I also know Rob Benedict and uh, Richard Spade from Supernatural said, well, I know you speak English, French, Spanish, Italian. It's pretty amazing. How do you say kiss my ass in French? Uh, you wouldn't say embrasse mon cul. You'd say uh, va te faire foutre ou uh, va te faire enculer, which means uh, go go get. Well, can I say? Go get I fucked. 
Yeah, go get fucked up the ass, basically. Oh, wow. Thing. You went extreme. I like that. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Spanish. But, but that's, in French, you know, we, we use slang a lot. I'm learning Korean, by the way, at the moment. Let me hear so, something in Korean. Hello, uh, I'm Sebastian Roche. I'm Pan Poranse, Pan Yongguk Saramieyo. That's awesome. That means Kiss- I'm Sebastian Roche. I'm half French, half uh, British person kiss my ass in spanish uh i mean i don't know if you uh ay, 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 no, i'd say get fucked in the ass ooh, 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 there's um ah just say get joder. what i say just say get effed in the butt again in spanish that's probably easier in, in spanish i think there's a <laughs> joder and then no, what, what is in spanish in spanish shit, should... there's callate tu boca wow porque podemos hablar español también porque aprendí español en la escuela en francia Damn, he's I, quick. I learned that at school. I learned Italian too at school. And I love speaking those, you know, it's like vaffanculo in Italian, you know. Right. Uh, how do you say in Italian, my name is Sebastian and I'm the coolest guy in the world? In Italian? Mi chiamo Sebastiano Roche. Sono una persona veramente stupenda. That sounds amazing. I love yeah, it. When I go, when we go on fan events, all the guys like Rob, everyone's like, okay, Sebastian, you order, you, you do it every time. Yeah, it's a fan of the ass. Lastly, you know, Benedict told me this, that you and your brother learned every capital to every country in the world. Is that true? Yes, it's true. Because, you know, on the boat, what I read was the Almanac and the Atlas, you know, so yeah. So I'm if I said, good. what's the capital of uh, Uganda? It's Kampala. What's the but cap- I went there. <laughs> what's the capital of Brazil? Brazil is actually Brasilia, yep. not Rio de Janeiro. Look at that. What's the capital of Uruguay? Uruguay is Montevideo. Gosh, what is going on? <laughs> you really are. You're bright. You are bright. You don't only have the looks. You have the brightness. It's uh, pretty amazing. <laughs> no, I don't know about that. But well, man, you know, this- the thing is I, I spent a lot of time reading books on the on the boat it was amazing it was my my grandfather i have my granddad to thank for that he would send packets of books you know it what they call post restaurants at, at the mail place in you know west africa and we'd pick them up and then he'd send them to the caribbean in some caribbean places and i'd pick them up yeah it was great well, look, this has been so much fun. I'm so, I'm so glad we finally got to talk. Me too. Me this too, because is... I always love your podcast. You know, I, Thank I always you. love, you know, and you're such a good, uh, you know, you ask always such interesting questions, you know. I think I just ha- want to have fun. I want to, like, when I like someone, I just want to talk. You know, the best compliment yeah. is somebody said, it's just, just like listening to two people just have a real conversation. And that's exactly. the best compliment you can give because I don't want to feel like I'm interviewing you. I want to, I'm almost like a kid in the candy store going, well, what about this? Well, Dad, how much longer yeah. do we have? Well, what about the boat? How long were you on the boat? Like, yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just things I that I- I love that it's stream of consciousness. That's what I like. Because it, yeah, it's, it's like I'm having, it's like we're having lunch and we're just having conversation. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, I love this. Thank you for allowing me to be inside of you. I hope you come back. And what are your handles so people can follow you and all that? My handles, so uh, on Instagram, I'm I'm at Sebastian Roche, R-O-C-H-E. And on Twitter, I'm at Seb Roche. And that's it, because I got rid of Facebook and I don't want to be on TikTok. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not on TikTok. I can't go there yet. I just don't know. I I, I I can't waste any more time. Yeah. But um, thank you, Michael. It was a real pleasure. And, uh, you know, you're a great guy. 
You hey, back at you. Smart, funny, uh, and and very caring, which is extremely important. Well, it's important to me to hear that, and thank you so much. And give your wife a big kiss, and I hope you guys have many, many good years together. Yeah, yeah, you too. And let's let's uh, let's hang out one of these days. I'd, I'd love, love to. to. Once this is all over, man, I'm gonna be hanging with everybody because they're gonna get tired of me. Yeah, no, they're good, already good. tired of me. Great. All right, buddy, I love you. Take care, mate. Love you too, mate. You're right. That was a great episode. It's just a good story you don't get out of a lot of people, you know? Mm. So I love stories, and we just I just kept picking them on it. Like, I want to know more. I want to know more. How is this possible? I, I'm telling you, I go on a trip with my, uh, you know, I remember as, with my parents. It's just like, even now when I go see, I love my parents, you know, but uh, if I go see them, I mean, two days is enough. I'm good. <laughs> it's great to see you. I can't spend more time with that. I think it's not only that I can't, they can't. I feel like they're they're tired of me within an hour. It's like, you know, just it feels like, you know, I'm not wanted. <laughs> it feels like I don't think you want to be here anymore. I think we had a hug and we had dinner and then next day we went swimming. And I think that you're kind of done. And that makes me feel like I'm kind of done. So um, I don't know. I, like I said, I love my parents, but good good on you, Sebastian. Uh, thank you guys so much for all the love on the show. Again, if you want any awesome merch, go to the Inside You Online store. You can get merch 15% off Ryan's Waxed 15, no apostrophe. And uh, you can get stuff like Smallville lunchboxes and uh, T-shirts and uh, tumblers and hats and all sorts of stuff. And uh, also the Sunspin band. If you go to sunspin.com, you can get a bunch of Sunspin merch. You can book the band. You can book a Zoom there. Um, our next uh, stage it is the last Saturday of the month, which will be 2 p.m. and 6 p.m. And that is, uh, that's going to be a good time. So uh, if you want to join Patreon, it's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Join, and I will, I'll message you right after. It's a great family. There's lots of perks. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff. I think you're going to really dig it if you want to help the podcast a little more. That's patreon.com slash inside of you. Patreon.com slash inside of you. And of course, uh, the handles for... Uh, the podcast, Ryan. Uh, at Inside of You Pod on Twitter, at Inside of You Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Yes, please, please uh, follow us and uh, spread the word. And you can watch on YouTube and listen on Spotify and Apple and all that stuff. Stitcher. Uh, it's really a good time. Why don't I read the the top patrons? These are people who um, they give back in a big way to the podcast. And uh, they've been around a while. And uh, how about a round of applause for them? And now for a special effect, sound effect, applause. Which one sounded better? Uh, here we go. Nancy. D. Mary. B. Leah. S. Trisha. F. Sarah. V. Little. Lisa. Yukiko. Jill. E. Brian H. Lauren G. Nico P. Robin S. Jerry W. Robert B. Jason W. Apothean. Kristen K. Not to be confused with. Kristen Krug. Mm -hmm. Amelia O. Allison L. Lucas M. Raj C. Joshua D. Emily S, CJP, Samantha M. We got Jennifer N, Jackie P, Stacy L, Carly H, Carly S, Jen S, Jamal F, Janelle B, Carrie B, Tabitha 272, not to be confused with. Tabitha 273. Ashley Ryan, Kimberly E, Mike E, Marissa N, Eldon Supremo, 99 more, Ramira, Santiago M, Sarah F, Chad W, Leanne P, Ray A, Maya P, Maddie S, Kendrick F, Ashley E, Shannon D. A lot of patrons. A lot of patrons love. You got you to gotta join us here on this on this lovely Patreon. Patreon.com slash inside of you. Uh, Matt W, Belinda N, Kevin V, James R, Chris H, Dave H, Spider-Man Shea, Sheila G, Ray H, uh, Tabitha T, Tom N, Suzanne B, Katie F, Liliana A. Water break. 
Water Break, Michelle K, Marcus W, Hannah B, Michael S, Talia M, Luke H. And this is the last list right here. Andrew T, Betsy D, Claire M, Liz J, Laura L, Chad B, Rochelle E, Nathan E, Brandel D, Taylor K, Neil A, Marion A, Meg K, Janelle P, Trav L, Dan N, Jennifer J, Wayne M, Diane R, Ojeda, Lorraine G, Olga C, Corey M, Carrie H. This list was once really short. Veronica K, Big Stevie W, Kendall T, Lindsay M, Carol D, Katie G, Sandy B, Angel M, Eric C, Rhiannon C, Stephen M, Corey K, Super Sam, Emily C, Sherry S, Coleman G, Michelle A, Riley J, Matt W, Liz L, Jeremy C, and Samantha S. That is a lot of patrons. It's a lot of patron love. We're going to do a Sunday jam session soon. Uh, where uh, my buddy Rob and I, we kind of play tunes that people, uh, it's it's one of those things, Ryan, where it's a, you know, it's a YouTube live private event just for my patrons. Mm-hmm. And uh, I see them all on there and we're commenting back and forth to each other and I'm answering their questions. And then they say, play this song. We kind of just improv a song. We'll, we'll look up the lyrics and we'll just play it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a lot of fun. That's one of the perks. And also top tiers get like um, boxes sent to them every couple of months and little notes from me and there's a bunch of other stuff, but uh, I really thank you guys for sticking with the podcast. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Thank you, Cumulus. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Bryce. I love doing it. I want to keep doing it. Got a lot of great guests coming up, and uh, Daddy needs a vacation. Daddy's going to take a vacation soon. Ooh, Daddy's going to take a big vacation. Well, I'm going to go see my grandma, and then I'm going to go stay with my friend Harlan in uh, Florida for like a couple of days. Florida? So I got some friends staying at the house, and that's always tricky, but uh, you know, it's hard to leave my little Blanchie. Yeah. You know, that little puppy. Mm. But uh, I just got to have guidelines and say, okay, you got to make sure, you know, mm-hmm. these are the things you got to make sure of. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it, it is tough, man. I love that little thing so much. And after Irv passed away, I think there's just more like, yeah. The other day I go, oh my God, I can't lose you. She looks at me and she's like, I'm two and a half. I don't think I'm going anywhere. <laughs> what the fuck are you crying for? I'm like, because I lost Irv. Because <laughs> she but, is a teenager, huh? I guess she is. I mean, oh my god, dad! Three times seven is twenty-one. Yeah. I guess in dog year yeah. she'll be twenty-one, July eleventh, which is my birthday. Oh. Thank you for all the wishes. No, it's not yet. But um, <laughs> thank you for another good week, Ryan. Another great episode. Thank you for working so hard. And uh, from uh, my home in the Hollywood Hills, I'm Michael Rosenbaum. I'm Ryan Tails. And uh, wave to the camera, Ryan. Uh We love you. Be good to yourselves. You owe it to yourselves to be good to yourselves. Um, Thank you for allowing me to be inside of each and every one of you. Be good. I'll see you next week. Please join me and uh, right into the show. Um, hello at insideypodcast.com. And I will do read them. See you later. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did. And they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.